Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's programme with Kiri Kermode and Simon Clark. And a big day, Open Farms Day. And the Kermode family from Orisdale and Balasala were so kind to let everybody in. And me. And I thought you. I'd have been refused entry. <laughs> but what a, what a show your family put on, Kiri. And surprise to me, no disrespect. God, there were hundreds of people there. It was unbelievable. Yeah. We couldn't believe how many people had turned up. But that's the power of social media these days. And it was so nice to see the children just touching the lamb, stroking the cattle, learning about how to to make wool into clothing. The beekeepers were there. It was just absolutely fab for everybody. Yeah, and it, it sort of opens people's eyes, isn't it, where they've seen the, the lambs and your brother and, and Chris, I think, with the shearing some of them there in, in front of them. They were wrapping the wool up. And then they had some wool over at Doreen who had the spinning wheel and everything there. And they were showing how it, it can be just used from one part of it. You know, a lot of the animal can be used for useful uses. Well, this is it. Makes sense. This is it, exactly. And, and it was nice to see it go from the sheep to shawl or socks or whatever it is that they make. But it's just that opportunity to get up close and the, the touching of various things, the smell of a farm. It's never always the nicest, but, it, you know, it was just... Yeah, opportunity. It was, and also I had an opportunity to go and see Robert and Jill Neal at Ballon Nelson Nurseries uh, in Jerby there, and they've got a lovely setup with the pot plants, uh, the beehives that do their own honey there, and also uh, the the strawberries. They've got a lovely strawberry setup. So uh, that's all coming up in this week's countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. <laughs> Well, open day it was indeed, Kiri, at the Kermode's family farm. It certainly was, and what a busy day it was. Well, I got there and I thought there'd be three or four people scratching around, having a look at it, you know, nothing else to do. There was hundreds, wasn't there? There was. There was droves of people. We, we absolutely blew us away from half past ten, right on the dot, all the way through to 5pm. It, it never stopped. Families, carfuls of children... Um, just come to see the animals and, and see what agriculture is all about, really. Yeah, we were there and we had a trip round to talk to some of the people, young and old, to find out what they thought about life on the farm. So we've got some visitors here at the farm today as well. Who are we talking to? Stuart Boats from West Sussex in Worthing. And James Taylor from Worthing. Are you coming from a farming background or is this a, a rare opportunity for you to see one? No, this is just purely for the TT we're here for. We're staying on the farm and we go back on Wednesday. So we've been here for just under three weeks. Right, it's a good long stretch then. Is this the first time you've stayed here? No, we've been here for three years continuously. So. Yeah, you've not been roped in yet to help with the cattle or an emergency with the sheep out or anything yet? Not yet. <laughs> Maybe one day. And what about staying in this sort of area? I mean, a lot of people stay in hotels and Douglas Promenade and places. Does this suit you? Yeah, it's a, it's a classic area to stay in. It's probably better than Douglas. It's out the area. You actually see a bit of the countryside. And it's just nice and quiet, you know. It's, we prefer to come back here every year, so from our perspective, it suits us right down to the ground. Yeah, do you have the bikes here with you as well? Yeah, yeah, we come across some bikes. Um, we always ride up, maybe not next year. We might fly across, but no, we, we like to we like to ride across. What about the, the farm and thing? Are any of you both from farmer backgrounds? I'm not. I'm from a retail background, so, I mean, you know, personally, it's nice to see it, but it's not something that I've, I'm associated with, no. We've got countryside near us, and we've got local farms that do the similar thing to this open day. 
Um, we go along to that sometimes, but no, it's lovely here. Well, it's great that you're out supporting it anyway, you're joining in anyway. Yep, lovely. Well, have a safe trip back. Thank you very much. Cheers, thank you. So, who am I talking to here? What's your name? Alice. What have you seen today on the farm? Sheep. Lots of them? Yeah. And what was happening to them? They're getting their wool taken off. Were they? And why do you think that happens? Because it's sunny. Because it's sunny and they'll get hot? Yes. Yeah. What about the other things that are here? There's oh, some cows too, is there? I went on some ponies. What, a toy one? No, what a, a real one. What was it like? Was it scary on the horse, on the pony? No. Have you been on one before? No, but I have been on a donkey before. You've been on a donkey? Well, there's none of them here today. Is have you been on the tractors as well? Mm. I just haven't been on them yet because they were, had people on them. What, what about the cow? What, what were you doing with the cow over there? Milking it. Milking it? Did any milk come out? No. All right. Well, good talking to you. I'm going to let you go away and see some of the more of it. All right. Well, Doreen, Christian, you've got um, some wool here in the spinning wheel. A byproduct, of course, of the, of the sheep that are on the Oresdale farm here and all the other farms. Uh, what have you been demonstrating today with it? Well, I've been showing the people the spinning wheel and the children have been helping with the uh, carding of the wool before it gets spun and they've really enjoyed that. It's got the, the two things, they're like sort of steel brushes here that yeah, you've got. They look quite, they look quite vicious in a yeah, way. Yeah, they're called paddles and you, br you bring them, the two together to straighten the wool out so it's all in a one line ready for spinning. Oh, so it's not just as simple as getting the, the big ball of, uh, bundle of wool from the straighten the sheep and and trying to thread it through the spinning wheel then? No, it's not that easy. And what about the, the wheel itself? I mean, I suppose they go back a long way, some of the original ones. Well, I've had mine about 40 years now. Really? Yes. It looks quite pretty new still. Yes. I suppose they don't get outside very often, do they? No, they don't, no. But I've enjoyed it, and I like making the jumpers. The really old jumpers, and they last for years. Yeah. We'll come to them in a second or two, but is it difficult to get the hang of the spinning wheels? No, it's just like driving a car. You've got to use your pedals and your hands, so it's just like... A bit of coordination. Yes, coordination, yes. Yeah. Yes. And did, did you sort of pick it up fairly quickly, or was there sort of... I suppose there was a lot more people doing it 40 years ago that was able to teach you, was there? I went to spinning classes. It took me about five or ten minutes to learn. Really? Is that all? Yes, it didn't oh. take long. Well, back to the jumpers here, you've got a couple of big sweaters, I'm going to call them, and these are obviously made straight from the spinning wheel and, and then knitted, is it? Yeah, straight from the spinning wheel and knitted. I didn't, I didn't use the carder, I just got the fleece and I just pulled out some wool straight in the spinning wheel and then knitted it up. Oh, well, they look as though they're, they're not the 2017 jumpers. How, how long had them ones? Uh, these are about 35 years old. Really? Yes. Gosh, they must have been always hand washed. Yes, yes. Is that one of the troubles today where the people will just bung everything in a washing machine and that would be the end of them? Well, I do tell people to just stand outside in the rain and the rain will wash them. <laughs> I suppose they've still got uh, sort of the bits of the oil and lanolin from the original sheep's wool still in them, I suppose. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's very therapeutic, actually, to do it, you know, because you're thinking about it all the time. You're not watching television or anything. It's just nice to do something with your hands and uh, yeah it must be satisfying for yourself satisfying. To, to, to come from, from what we're seeing here just the, the fleece of the of the sheep and then you can spin it yourself make the wool 
and then actually knit the jumper. It must be quite rewarding. It is rewarding and very satisfying. Oh. And the people I give the jumpers to are very appreciative. <laughs> well, well, it's not my size in blast. <laughs> well, Roger, it's been a very busy day here for the beekeepers at Orisdale. Has it been a success? We've been very, very pleased with the amount of interest we've had, particularly from youngsters. And we've had a demonstration hive here that's shown a great deal of interest. We've had one or two older people quite interested in taking up the great art of beekeeping and we'll be starting the courses for beginners in November and we've been telling everyone our website which is iombeekeepers.com and you can leave your name there in November then we'll get in touch with you and the courses start in January. But also today they had the chance to sample some of the honey. Oh very much so and it's rather different from the honey that you can buy in ShopRite. Really? Is it extra special? Extra special. <laughs> and some of it was only harvested from local hives um, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, very, so, very fresh. So the flow has started already. And how are the bees at the moment here on the Isle of Man? Would you know how, how there's someone's treating them? Um, it's a very strange um, year. Uh, there haven't been too many swarms of bees. Uh, we had a sort of a flush in May, but since the weather's been rather changeable, it's been rather quiet. Uh, we're hoping the sun's going to come out um, this week. With a bit of luck, we'll start seeing some more swarming activity. But um, the beekeepers are fairly happy with the flow of nectar at, at the moment as we go from, from crop to crop. And um, they're hoping for... It looked like a good year to start with, but now we think it might end up just being a bit average. But we don't know. And today... Having the opportunity to come to an open day like this, which is aimed at young people, do you think it is good mileage for, for educational purposes, such as the beekeeping? Absolutely. We want to emphasise the great link that beekeepers have with the agricultural community, and particularly agricultural communities with um, crops that need pollinating, apple orchards, plum orchards, and things like that. That There's a great link. And so we want to, to get a lot more friendly with the agricultural community. And the children obviously loved it here today. They've been able to take away colour and sheets. They've been given stickers of real picture of a bee rather than a fluffy bumblebee. It's a real one. They know what to look out for now. And we've had a number of kids that have been rather scared of them because they think they're wasps. Well, there oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, this is all part of it. It's the education, hoping that they'll take it home and, and actually learn from it, isn't it? Well, very much so. We've got to look for the next generation of beekeepers. And so we don't want the hobby to die out um, with us. So we've got to um, bring the next people on. So we've got a group of uh, young girls here. What's your name? Heidi. Lauren. Freya. Jess. Now you've had the, I wouldn't call them horses, are they ponies? Yeah, they're ponies. Yeah. And what's the names of these two? Toffee and Missy. Okay, and how old are these ones? Missy is 25 and Toffee is 17. Oh, they're quite old then, they're older than you. How old are you? Six. Oh, wow. And do you ride them? Yeah. Yeah? It's not, not scary? Mm-mm. Okay, what about you? Is one of them yours? Yeah, Missy. Missy? Yeah. And is it a girl or a boy? Girl. Good. And good, well behaved? Yeah. Doesn't run off when you're sitting on the back at great speed? No. And how old were you when you first rode one? Ten. Didn't scare you? Mm, a bit. A bit just not, not now though? No, not no. now. Who's in charge, you or the pony? Me. You? Mm -hmm. All right. 
Well, let's go to the couple of the bigger girls. And you've been riding them a long time as well. Uh, yeah, I ride a different horse though. I used to ride Toffee, but I have a, me and Jess share a bigger horse now. Oh, we've been passed down the generations. Yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> the ponies, I suppose, they're, they're good for for these younger ones to start yeah, they're on. Good for like learning and like beginners and stuff. Yeah. So now that we've moved on a bit, we've got a bigger horse. Is the many of them excitable or are they all fairly calm? They're all very quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who has to look after them all? Uh, and yeah. Sarah. And just tell us uh, a little bit about what you have to do to look after them. Mainly just feeding them, grooming them, sort of stable care, just the basic stuff that they need as well as exercising them. Right, and yeah. do, do different ponies and horses, do they all eat different types of food or do they mainly have the same? They mainly tend to have the same foods. We feed these ones on sugar beet and hay, really, yeah. as well as having them out in the paddock. And it's hard work keeping them all shiny and brushed and clean. Yeah. 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 Is that a nice part of it, or do you prefer the riding? Riding. <laughs> well, that's usually the case, isn't it? Uh, and what about competitions? I suppose you're too young to enter competitions yet, are you? a leadering class. Oh right, have you? And the pony that the judge wants to take home. Really? Oh well that would get you. Did you win it? Once we did but this year's one um, a younger girl with a small pony one. Okay well you've got plenty of time to win do lots of winning yet haven't you? Yeah. Yeah and do you like being in the competitions? Yeah. It's the different types of things you have to do on them. Is it like the the big ones where you have to do dressage and everything like that? Or? There's a canter class that I do and trotting and all-rounder. Right, and what sort of competitions? Is it all the same for you ones or a bit, yeah, bit yeah, harder? Yeah, same really. We've done a little bit of jumping but not yet in a competition. Is the jumping hard to learn? Yeah, it's definitely harder than just learning to ride normally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who decides when they jump? It always tickles me this. Is it the horse or does the rider make it jump or is it a bit of both? It's the horse really knows what to do, but the rider has to be prepared. Yeah, to I've go seen them stop it. sometimes just before. Yeah, yeah sometimes <laughs> they like refuse to go for the jump when they're not ready. Ah, it depends on the day. Yeah. And then does the weather bother horses or ponies when you're out? Are they, are they poorer on wet, miserable days yeah, like, like people are? Yeah, they don't like being out in the rain. No. So we just ride them on like when it's like not raining, when it's sunny. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right, thanks for speaking to us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Pippi and Carol, what's going on today? I thought I'd come here and see one or two people scratch around the farmyard. Half the Isle of Man's here. Well, that's what I thought. It'd be only like a, a day out for a few visitors, but it certainly turned out different. What was the idea of it to start with, Carol? Well, I saw an advert came through about Open Farm Sunday. They do it away quite a bit. Um, people open their farms on one Sunday in June just for the public to come and see what farmers do. It can be like great big arable farms or just small holdings, whatever they want. And people can come and just find out about livestock, crops, how the milk is produced, bread is made, everything like that. We had the bees here today, so they find out where the honey comes from as well. I suppose you're, you're lucky in a way, because you, you've got a bit of everything here in your farm, haven't you? Yeah, we've even still got a few cattle in the shed fattening, and we got a, the whole process, no different in the summer than the winter, in a sense, of, of feeding. So people see what we do, and it's on, okay, it's a small scale at the minute, but uh, that's the way it is, and they can see it for themselves, how it works. Yeah, and the great thing as well, you've got um, some people shearing there, and they can see the, the sheep from when the, the full fleeces are on them, and yeah. how quickly uh, the boys can actually get through them. Huh? Well, yeah, 
we're well into the season of the shearing now and um, the wool's coming off them nice and sheep are in good condition. Yeah, everything's coming with us. It's a good time to hold it, really. It's amazing the amount of people have asked what happens to the wool after it goes from here. And a lot of people have never seen a sheep sheared before today. And it sort of puts another link into the chain. Where do you get your jumpers from? And this wool goes to Bradford and it's bought and it's manufactured into jumpers and carpets and things like that. And they made the link now right back to the farm. Have they asked many awkward questions to the youngsters? Not too bad, though they've been good and they thoroughly enjoy because we put out colouring books and stickers and Play-Doh and then they can throw wellies at things and throw balls into tunes. It just gives them something to amuse themselves and they meet the animals, the hens and the lambs. They just thoroughly enjoy it and nobody asked any awkward questions <laughs> for once. The old bullock there as well, has a pick of age on that one, isn't it? Yeah, yes. I, mean, I know where he should be, but he's not going. But um... yes, he's nine years old, Henry now. And, and is, he, is he one you've had from from the calf? Yeah, yeah. The mother didn't like him. Didn't like him at all, and she was really nasty mother. And we hand reared him in the end, and uh, still here. Yeah. So it's only the Meg lambs that are supposed to be sentimental. <laughs> no, Henry's Henry's a fixture. <laughs> but all in all, as well, um, you've been raising money for charity amongst it all too, haven't you? Yeah, we've got um, the little pink tractor for the anti-cancer. That's Kenneth. Carole. That's Kenneth. Yeah. Kenneth provided that, and um, if there was a little box for donations for that, it's more PR than to make money. It's so that people just come and meet us and find out when people yeah. rather than just a name, like a name and a book or whatever. Pippi and Carol Kermode from Orisdale Farm in Ballasalla. And uh, do you know them well, Kerry? Oh, <laughs> should do. <laughs> but what a day it was. And thanks to all the people uh, who took the time out to to enthusiastically talk to us as well, uh, you know, to find out what they thought about the day and uh, a little bit of information about the, the spinning wheels and the wool and the, the ponies there, how they get looked after and... Yeah, it was a good day, but a lot of hard work put in uh, by the, your family and well rewarded in the end. I think it was worth it, wasn't it? It really was. The, to see those children's faces light up when they could hold a baby lamb. And we have a, a great big bullock there. He's uh, nearly seven foot tall for them to just look at it in awe. And maybe it's their first time they've ever seen a beast that close up or sat on a big tractor or even a little old vintage tractor that mm. people had kindly lent us for the day. But there was a lot of help gone into it from other people on the island. And I want to say a massive thank you for them and to everybody that came along. It was a super day. <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, Ballon Nelson Nurseries is uh, just off the main road there between Jerby and Andreas, and I went along to speak to Robert and Jill Neal, who run it. And, well, big strawberry set up there. That was the first place I went and seen. Yeah, we did look at growing them on the ground, because there are lots of places still grow them on the ground, but... To get a good quality product, a consistent supply, and also make it a lot easier for staff to pick them as well too, and us, and get a lot less wastage as well. We decided to grow them on what we call a tabletop system, and uh, it's worked really well. So we, we can control everything by having them on tabletops. I mean, you know, the, the amount of water that goes into them, the type of food, the, the, you know, the varieties, the quality of the plants, quality of the product coming out. So it's, it's all really 
easily manageable when, when we grow them that way. Yeah, and it keeps so, the slugs yeah. off of them as well because yeah. they're grown at height. It's also a chiropractor's dream because there's no damage to your back whilst you're picking them. <laughs> <laughs> How many years have you been doing them? That's relatively new to it, your it portfolio, is. isn't it? It yeah. is, yeah. This is our third year. So we've, we've expanded over the last three years and now we're on phase three, which they're already producing a mass of strawberries. Yes. Mm. I mean, I've looked and thought that you showed me the first one. I thought, yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's a fine area. Mm. And he said, oh, here's another show. I said, what's in there? Well, the strawberries in this one too, a different phase. I mean, what, what's the idea of the different areas? Some are covered, some aren't. We can control the rate at which they mature, which they grow and which they mature. So, you know, we can be pick we've been picking strawberries for a month now out of the, the polytunnel. And then we've got a, a, an area which is slightly less covered so we can... Uh, bring them forward a little bit more, but they're later in the polytunnel, but earlier than they would have been outside, and then we've got a big area outside. So it just kind of delays uh, maturity date often, really, so we can be picking over a longer season. Yeah, so you're not stuck with a load of them at once, trying to yeah, get rid of them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The other thing is the, the plants we'll use for three years. So phase one, will after this season, they'll all be replaced, and mm. the compost, everything will be replaced on phase one. And then the following year, Phase two will be replaced, and then phase three the year yeah, after, and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's a yeah. continuous cycle. Yeah, yeah well, so. you're, you're not actually pick your own or things like that, the no. is, but uh, no. So, I mean, where, where do you distribute all these well, strawberries? The main place we send them to are Robinsons, who are absolutely brilliant to support our business. And also um, the Dairy Shed make yogurts, and they use our mm. strawberries for their strawberry yoghurt. So we have a lot of support, as I say, particularly from Robinsons. And the different varieties too, is that for different people or just? We, we grow different varieties because we, we choose varieties. Our main kind of criteria for choosing varieties is taste. So it doesn't really matter if the, if the yield is not as high as some of the, you know, the bigger yielding varieties, but they have to taste good. So that's our main criteria. And then we have a, you know, a range of you know, really nice taste in strawberries so we can extend the season. So we've got all the different um, sort of cultural techniques for extending the season. And then we can use different varieties as well too to sort of extend the season, have earlier ones and, and later ones. So it's quite a quite a long production season really. I've seen something as well to do with the, the yogurts and uh, your own honey as well, which is nice. Yes, yeah, we've, um, we've got about 25 hives around the place. Robert's the beekeeper. I stay clear when the, when he's taking the honey off. I stay very clear. Haven't you got a little suit with the mat thing? No, on no, no, thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not fond of them. No, they're, they're okay until they sting, and quite often when you're taking the honey off, they can get a little bit angry. Generally, they're fine because obviously they're all around the nurseries, collecting up the pollen, and yeah. uh, we do sell an awful lot of honey, and it's natural raw Manx honey. Yeah, and is, that, is that something you've always done, Robert, the bees? Well, I've always had bees, but uh, not as many as what we've got now. But <laughs> the, the main reason we're having them now, or having so many now, is uh, to fertilise the, the strawberry flowers. Cause, um, oh, it's the connection with that side? Yeah, that's, that's the main reason why they're here, because um, when the, the strawberries are all starting to flower, we need so, something to pollinate them quite quickly, so hence the bees. But in the UK, they use um, bumblebees, but a lot of the, lot of the bees that they use, so they come in a little cardboard box, they're, they're grown in Holland, really, I suppose, and they ship to the UK, and then distributed throughout all the strawberry production areas and tomato-grown areas. 
So that's their way of sort of naturally fertilising their crops, but we're not allowed to do it in the Isle of Man because of the risk of importing varroa, rightly so. So we use um, our own beehives, and we've got about 25 hives here, so they're all pretty close to where the strawberries are, so when the strawberries are in flower, the bees just going to settle on them really quickly. So you're getting the best there. of both worlds. Well, exactly. yeah, doing so all that and then yeah. Yeah. getting good honey. An yeah. excellent mm. byproduct. But one thing I do remember from coming down here years ago is the tomatoes. You've always had them, haven't you? Yeah, we've always had tomatoes. In fact, my dad's so grown tomatoes um, oh, come, I don't know, 1964 I suppose, I used to uh, grow them in a, in a glass house down at Charlie Vondy's, where uh, Vondy's garage is now, and then he sort of got the bug and uh, built this greenhouse about 1974 and uh, we've been growing tomatoes here ever since it's uh, different quantities we, when we started off this whole greenhouse was full of tomatoes but we've had different amounts over the years depending on the size of the market really but we settled down to probably half of the greenhouse full of tomatoes and we, we grow them in, in a traditional style um, again it's uh, mostly you know, varieties which are bred for taste so you know, we grow them for you know, the right taste of them and they all go to Robinson's as well too because you know, John and Tony from Robinson's have been absolutely brilliant to uh, support um, what we produce and also uh, a lot of local produce. I think people are starting to become a little bit more aware of uh, where the food comes from and, and the quality of the local food and it's uh, something a lot of people uh, haven't really appreciated for quite a few years really, you know, just how good local stuff is, but um, they are starting to become a bit more of it, a bit more aware of it now, which is good. We've got a lot of bedding plants and things like that. Yes. Is, is it quite mm. a good environment? I mean, the Isle of Man's tricky with weather, but mm. I've mean, sort of got the right facilities here. Well, obviously you have. Yes, yeah, mm. we, um, our bedding plants and perennials, we grow them all from seed and uh, we acclimatise them to the Manx climate. We have uh, processes that we, or procedures I should say, for all the plants so that by the time they go off to somebody's garden, they're hardened off to the Manx weather. Uh, is that one of the problems that people have had in the past where they, they've <coughs> bred in these nice warm environments uh, and yes, suddenly exactly. the shock have gone out? Yeah. Yes, yes yeah. it is, yes. And what about your hanging baskets? I've heard a bit about them. <laughs> <laughs> I do rather a lot of hanging baskets. I must admit it's uh, an area I thoroughly enjoy. I do about I would say 800. Really? Yes. <laughs> so uh, it, I start in March doing the hanging baskets and I've just finished now. So the worst part though is me having to water them all when we're full of hanging baskets because I hand water them with the hose just to make sure that they're well looked after whilst I've got them. And then when our customers take them away, it's their job to look after them. And I think they're all marvellous because they all tell me how wonderful their baskets are doing but it's the aftercare that really counts for a lot. Yeah I suppose it's a, again it could be a sudden thing if you've sort of got an automatic water and thing mm. and then yeah. people are going to water them themselves that contrast can do mm. them harm I suppose yeah, but you yeah. can see see them in Ramsey don't we? Yes you do mm. I've done Ramsey Town now for 12 years and I, I feel very proud when I see them hanging in Ramsey you know it's, I, I really do. And they're very well looked after by um, the head gardener and his staff in Ramsey. You know, they do a really good job at watering them and looking after them. And what about, finally, the weather on the Isle of Man? We know what it's like. How bad is it for your setup here if, if it's poor weather? Our only enemy is the wind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> because it, when the wind comes through, it just sends our plants flying. And we don't worry about it because it's always going to be windy in the Isle of Man and we leave them on the ground till the wind's gone 
and then they get picked up again in a little bit of a chat too. <laughs> well, what a lovely nursery they've got there and the hard work that the pair of them put in. Robert and Jill Neal from Ballinelson Nursery in Derby. And you can uh, get information from their Facebook page and they've got a website as well that you can keep an eye on and open seven days a week. You're a strawberry fan. I can see your oh, lips yes. drizzling now. <laughs> Hey. They are absolutely lovely, especially the homegrown ones in the Manx Sunshine. They do taste so much better than the shop-bought ones, don't they? Yeah, I think so as well. And uh, do you have a bit of cream on them always? Always, yeah. yeah. It's got to be thick cream. Spoon bit of sugar? Tiny bit, but not always. Yeah. Do you like them? Yeah, I do. I used to be allergic to them at school. No way. Yeah, I was off school until a few times when they, till they found out what was making me come out and make me ill all the time. Goodness but me. But now I can eat them now. I don't eat too many at once. Mm. Well, the thought of every, everyone eating strawberries has made me hungry. We better get out of here now. <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, there we are. Strawberries and cream on the menu for this evening. As to listening to that, Robert and Jill Neal there at Ballinelson. That's a great setup with their strawberries. No more grovelling on the ground with the slugs and everything in them. They've got a lovely, uh, like, ha- harmite height uh, setup there where, you know, the irrigation running through the little um, grow bags and things that they're sitting in the compost. It's so. amazing the modern ways of doing production now isn't it it's so much easier and like you say it won't hurt your back crawling around the the rows there no, now put a it? lot of work into it and have done well in their 15 years together there and also the well done to the kermode family you put a great day on you and your family there it's just having that chance for people to come and, and enjoy what we do in the countryside learn where their food comes from see how crops are grown and it's just that little bit that hopefully they can take home and remember yeah if you've got a pound for every time they stood in that little gridder of manure that was going across the yard the kids they could have been millionaires <laughs> wouldn't we, we just yeah. all right we'll leave it there for this week's countryside we're back next week with more so from me simon clark and me kerry kermode see you then bye-bye bye-bye don't sit in the slow lane join the fast lane right now with shaw's all new super fast plus broadband enjoy more bandwidth amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just 23 pounds 95 per month so don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being Shaw. Terms and conditions apply.